Welcome to Mystery Outsiders Naps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fire cast. I stopped because I almost said fire fast, and then I was like, that's a different thing. It's a thing. teen drama fire fast. Get your sandwiches. I mean, it might be a teen drama fire fast. We don't know how this is going to end. <laughs> that would be an, an unexpected ending to Riverdale, which I think has seven more episodes. Yeah, you know what? They're just going to time travel to fire fast, and that's how it's going to end. Yeah, they're... <laughs> It's not going to spend entirely in the 1950s. Some of it's going to be at Firefest in 2021. Um, I that wasn't pre-pandemic. That was like that weird. That was an after-pandemic? I feel like, wasn't it a weird after? No. No, it was a pre-pandemic. The documentary, thing. I The documentary think. came out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually I, I, know. I thought it was bad for multiple reasons. Like, obviously, just because it was poorly planned. We're not talking about Firefest, though. What we're talking about <laughs> is that. That's not the segue, though. Because uh, we haven't even done a pre-spoiler thing. Uh like it, it's, a, it's a nice day for uh, tonal problems. Uh, yeah, this episode has tone problems. Look, I feel like, you know, the evil twins have been unclear about what their hatred is. And I think maybe this episode clarified it, but maybe I mean, it's just like the enemy of the week. I mean, I would I would give it that, like, because you're mostly talking about Julian for the most part, I would say. Oh, no, I was talking about Werther and Featherhead. Oh, the Fell Twins. Sorry, Evil Twins, uh, in my mind, are the are the Blossom Kids. The Fell Twins <laughs> are, 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 um, are, are, are friends Werther's and Featherhead. Um, yeah, they're, they, they, really, they really waver on the line of how much it feels like they are being, uh, like, puppeteered. I do, Werther's feels like if he is being puppeteered by, like, Clifford or someone, uh, he likes it. But Featherhead <laughs> had a few moments, like, in the last episodes where it seems like he was, like, worried about what's going on. But this one, oh, it's not worth noting. This episode was directed by um, Machin Amick. Interesting. Machin? I can never pronounce That's why Alice isn't in this episode. It could be one of the reasons. Um but I feel like she definitely directed him to be like, no, just full evil. And I, I feel like he's getting differing directions. I agree. Because remember the episode where he was like, well, you know, boys dancing with girls and girls dancing with boys, just like God has decreed. But then last episode, he kept on like glancing weirdly at Werther's when Werther's was going off on. Well, here's the thing with Featherhead, I think. Yeah. If you tell him, Featherhead, the reason we're doing this is because... There are black people in our town. Yeah. Or Featherhead, the reason we're doing this is because sexual deviance. Or this episode, Featherhead, the reason we're doing this is the red menace. <laughs> and he goes, okay, all right, all right. But, I, I can forgive our actions But then, then. Why, why was he so confused about Werther's being like, well, it's a good thing you killed that man and but, uh, we're not doing comics anymore. He was like, oh, yes, yeah, yes, uh, I guess that is what we're doing. Because he was like, wait. The reason why what we're doing is good is because teenagers are killing men. So Someone guess, needs to give me an outside evil to explain this. So I guess for, I guess Featherhead just needs things clearly explained to him for him to be a good <laughs> puppet. Good bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a weird episode. I'll, I'll say it's thematically straight, yeah. almost to the point that it feels like this is this episode is a collision of clearly they did a lot of research of like the 1950s. Oh yeah, and specifically like McCarthyism and specific things that happened during that time. And rather than like spread it, spread out. it out over the season, they're going to do it all this episode. All of the storylines this episode will be about McCarthyism slash the Red Menace. Yeah, though, all of the storylines, though not a super hard focus on on like communism no. they really are using that as like not the, not, the, not the a communist witch hunts there are no communists in this episode yeah not like a metaphor obviously for um also uh like queer prosecution um because that also happened during no, McCarthy's but, so it's not like a metaphor but that is the focus of this yes one. and they're also really focusing on the witch hunt aspect of the Red Scare. Yes, someone read a uh, read a play. And we're going to read a play. And by read a play, I mean watch a TV show. Because this is Riverdale Season 7, Episode 13, The Crucible. The Crucible. That's a play. Yeah, we learned that in this episode. <laughs> we do. Uh, so, but we will begin with like 
noir jazz detective jughead typing on a hard noir <laughs> it's not again. been that hard this season <laughs> weird tone because there are moments this episode that will be legitimately funny oh yeah like we talked before and I don't and I hate having to bring up every single time and I hate having to say that I hate having to bring it up every single time but it's always appropriate the Riverdale's greatest weakness is that we have to think about other Riverdale episodes it's true each episode can't live in a vacuum <laughs> yeah uh, so we will be thinking about those episodes as we go through but begin to begin Jughead will think about what starts a fire could it be Archie Andrews writing poems? A teacher helping Archie Andrews right. write poems. Could it be Betty Cooper going into her bedroom? No, no, no. no. Oh, no we, that's we why it's Veronica to, first. No, because we have to do it in this order. Yes. Because it's Veronica meeting a dude in an elevator <laughs> who did not recognize when we first saw nope. him. We will learn later. Or Betty going into a room and finding there's no typewriter or telephone. And I a don't... thing that will not come up again. Because Alice was busy directing the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand why Alice did that. I mean, no, I, mean I understand why, because Alice is... Insane. Cra- crazy mom who was shouted at by Molly Ringwald Andrews, but not shouted at well enough, I guess. I think Hermione was shouted at well enough. <laughs> I think Hermione was. It um, worked on Hermione. But uh, but she com- Betty comes into a room and she doesn't have a typewriter, which I did not know she had a typewriter. <laughs> Me neither. I guess because I just assumed that was Jughead's thing. Uh, or her telephone, which I knew she had because she called... Veronica, um, Veronica on it. or no, Veronica called her. I, I'm just not sure what specifically. It, it doesn't come up again. This. It, it doesn't come up again. Yeah. Like, it, it's not a thing that she's like dealing with the fact that she doesn't have a telephone or a typewriter. Nope, sure Later, isn't. she will steal a typewriter, but that also won't be an issue it, because, well, once again, we don't. I didn't realize she had a typewriter before. She was a notebook girl. Yeah. So her diaries. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, but that goes immediately into an ongoing thing for this episode, which is, I guess, the English class is now a drama is class. Also, a drama class because <laughs> they have to do um, short performances from from from, n- from famous plays. From famous plays. It's it's very inconsistent what the theme is, but they can pick, I guess, any play they want. Any play, and I guess they're going to pick ones that resonate with them. Um, only Betty and Kevin will do a joint one. Everyone yeah. else will either do a monologue or someone will read off, <laughs> like be their reader. Yeah, like when you audition them. for a play and someone reads the other lines opposite from to you from the audience. But it's so noteworthy that this is not English class. This is drama class because later when someone gets critiques, they get acting critiques. <laughs> it's true. Not, hey, tell me what this, what you read was about. Whatever. <laughs> it's fun. Um, it is fun, I actually. Do, I do think that Betty does too much i like betty i do like betty and i do think this might be a thing from the comics where it's like betty's thing was kind of like jack of all trades and a master of all them too which works if you're doing kind of like a comedy thing so betty being like great actor also cars also every other thing that (laughs) fbi agent like serial killer betty is good at things veronica is rich those are their characterizations that's why i said like this feels like a comic (laughs) thing because i do think there was a thing in the comics where betty veronica's thing is always she would just pay someone and betty's like i know how to do that yeah so cool so we come to the not drama class english class (laughs) and betty and kevin just performed a scene from cat on the hot tin roof yeah um and it was amazing better than broadway yeah uh, unfortunately then, boom, suddenly the cops and Clifford bursts in. And part of me is like, hmm, they're upset that they did an inappropriate play. <laughs> uh, I think they only did a scene from it, so as long as they didn't do an inappropriate scene, I think <laughs> We don't know fun. what scene they did. Uh, no, they're upset about another thing because they, they pull Miss, they pull, uh, Miss Thornton out because she is suspected of being a communist because... Why not? Well, hey, you know what? We actually did set up that McCarthyism was a thing they were going to address. We already knew that Clifford was friends with him. And we actually do know that Miss Thornton is the progressive teacher. We do know she's the progressive teacher. She's the nice one. She Last episode, she tried to dead poet society. And she also (laughs) made the kids talk about racism in the classroom. She did. Uh, So she's out. Penelope Blossom is in. Penelope Blossom's in because... See, this is small town vibes. Like, oh, yeah. well, we got to get a teacher in. I guess we'll have the mayor's wife 
keep an eye on this class because maybe the communists got to her. I'm just going to say, though, nothing comes of this. We barely ever see her in the classroom. There is no payoff. Yeah, she's like that woman who was sitting in the back of the um, the black students oh, uh, yeah. reading thing who just shushed at, like, a, a, the not the most, like, radical time. And in this one... Archie will be something that's so clearly a reference to what's going on. And Penelope will just be like, interesting. And well, he's acting. Good for him. Uh, not really like both Cheryl and Julian are like, Ugh. oh, mom. And when they learn she's under suspicion of a communist, weird looks are tossed around. Like Evelyn looks at Cheryl and Cheryl looks... Cheryl had, we, we cut to Cheryl for a lot of reaction shots. I never fully understand why we're cutting to her for them. Like in this one, after it's revealed that Miss Thornton's under suspicion of being a communist, Cheryl like drops her head, like, like, al- like, like, yeah, almost like she's, she's blaming like, herself. Like somehow. Oh, she- I led to this. But that's, that does come out of anything. Evelyn is clearly happy and scheming. So like. <laughs> I guess something's going to come of that. But first, the kids have to talk about the fact that the Red Menace has come to Riverdale. Yes, yeah. And Archie's like, Miss Thornton can't be a communist. She's normal. Yeah. So we have to spend a time where everyone gives their different opinions. Kevin's like, well, if you're innocent, that's fine. And then you have uh, Veronica being like, did you know McCarthyism was a thing in Hollywood? <laughs> Betty and Veronica <laughs> do a full Wikipedia Full Wikipedia article. Yeah, it's a lot of explaining Mccarthyism for. I mean, to be fair, at this point, if you think about the audience for this, they might not be fully aware of know. McCarthyism. So it's a pretty good summary. Do you think it's weird, though, that they picked Kevin to be the one who's like, well, if you're innocent, you can never get in trouble in America. I, Kevin, yeah. a young gay teen who has to hide parts of himself so people don't unduly judge him. Yeah, but he's new gay and he's also the son of the sheriff. So I think he has a lot of like. No, it's fine. It, 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 like you, you're like I'm. I'm not guilty of anything, so I'm not being like I. I can see they had to give it to someone. I guess. I so. think it was and either going to be him or better. Archie. I mean, Archie is actually better, but he already said that Miss Thornton Ar- was normal. Yes, Archie already has his thing, so they had to <laughs> hand it off to uh, off to Kevin. Uh, just a noteworthy thing I want to bring up about this. So they'll talk a little bit about uh, communism in this. Um, they will not take a stance on prosecuting communism. No, we they, don't know they, if they think it's good or bad. They they will take a stance on incorrectly prosecuting communism, but yes. not on actually prosecuting communism. What is bad <laughs> is when you pretend people are communists so you can do a power play. Yeah. We know that's bad. <laughs> Which feels like not... Considering how this entire thing is kind of based on the Crucible, not a great reading of the Crucible. So this carries right into Jughead meeting with, okay, so I don't know exactly what's going on in the 1950s, but this does feel like he steps back about 40 years to like 1915. They're in like an alley where like there's brooms in a bucket and a pots hanging off it it truly looks like a backdrop from the movie newsies it does and they in fact walk up to a newsstand and and i know newsstands exist in the 1950s i do not know what this alley is about (laughs) uh but he explains oh i don't sell pop pep comics anymore i don't sell that smut it's un-american the amount of times people in this episode will say un-american I mean, you, you you gotta cue it. The the like the actual committee is like the committee for un-American activities. That was McCarthy's committee. So you know what? Nail it. <laughs> Let's make sure people know. Yeah. Uh. Meanwhile, the blossoms, that being Penelope and Clifford. <laughs> so the thing we thought that was going to happen happened. Happened. This is accumulation of everything we said was definitely going to happen, and no one is going to take responsibility for it. Look, I'm sorry. They and, should be allowed and, to be themselves, but y'all, you can't kiss in a party with like all of your classmates except for the vixens. Yeah, like it's it's weird to talk about because like yes, no, you you this this is not your fault. You should not be prosecuted in any way for but being you, who you are but also like you know where you, you live you know where you, you are you know it's 1955 yes, 1955 you know it's 1955 like you you've grown up in this Cheryl you are the the daughter of this man like it feels like you should be aware of these things possibilities and and and, and here's why I should also clarify. They are teens, and it's fine for them to make these big mistakes because yeah. they are teenagers. But they just present 
specifically Tony as being so hyper aware and conscious of what's going on. So when she makes these like big mistakes, they yeah, it feels weird. Uh, but what do what do the Blossoms want from Cheryl? Well, the Blossoms want to hide these allegations, and they're going to the, hide the, these. You have not even meant, oh, yeah, those allegations, yeah. yes. Yeah, so they want to hide the allegations of Cheryl being a sexual deviant. I don't think they care about, I mean, they probably do care about hiding them because it's the same thing with them being the mayor. But it's not so much that they want to hide them. They want Cheryl to know that they can hide them, and they will only hide them if Cheryl will narc on all of her other sexual deviant friends. Yes. But she doesn't have to give any names. There's already a list of the deviants, all yeah. those people who kissed in front of everyone else at a party. <laughs> well, it's uh, the, the only ones we really care about are like the top four. They're yeah. like Cheryl, Tony, Kevin, and Clay, uh, then a bunch of other ones. You know what? Good for them for putting more on there. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so it wasn't just like these four. Uh because, you know, hey, some of those people also might actually not be uh, yeah. queer or communist, and, which, and as we know, the worst thing you can do is, is accuse l- someone who is not correctly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. So Cheryl's like, what? No, I won't narc on people. What are you going to do? Send me away. I hate this house anyway. I'd be winning. <laughs> It's like, no, you will remain under scrutiny. And I'm like, Clifford, I, I don't want to give you advice because you are a terrible, horrible man. Mm-hmm. But you got to do a bit more than remain under scrutiny, which he does. He does. He says the one thing that actually scares Cheryl. Like, I thought she was maybe acting. Yeah. No, she's not. Nope. If she doesn't help, then he'll take away the one thing she cares about. The River Vixens. She won't be able to lead the cheerleaders anymore. I am very worried about Cheryl's obsession with her cheerleaders. Look, this has been it, a plot point for Cheryl in so many time frames. This, this is what I mean by, like, if this show, if you, I, I feel like maybe if you watch this episode out of context, you might think this is a joking hyper drama thing. Yeah. It is, it, it's not done, you also might think it's not done well, um, but the idea of someone being like, we need you to out- uh, these, like, your friends and p- possibly open them up to persecution uh, or else we'll take away your cheerleaders. And she's like, no! Papa, no! My like, cheerleaders! It actually works. The threat actually works. And Oh, and everyone is just like, we understand, Cheryl. We understand this is a very... I'm like, no! no! It's, like, if this... If, if you were doing a heightened melodrama, com- like, comedy thing, you could get away with this if you did it a bit differently. The idea of, like, a high-stakes, low thing. Yeah. But, but instead, it's just... It, it just goes more to show that Cheryl needs... Cheryl needs therapy eventually. Currently, she's a teenager, so... But, and it's the 1950s. <laughs> the therapy she's gonna get is Werther's. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just remembering when she uh, uh, mentally tortured that full-grown adult because she was the coach of the team. Yeah. Uh, when she, as an adult, went back. To high school and she stole the she stole the Vixens back from Tony, no, to be fair, who I was think, the coach. I think Tony liked that. She has... She has a problem with not going beyond high school. Uh-huh. Anyway, she's a teenager, so it, like, almost works. But we've already talked about the weird thing that these p- kids are treated like adults. So it's totally it, weird. Very odd. Um, meanwhile, Veronica arrives home. <laughs> she arrives- and she sees some luggage that has an HL monogram on it. And I'm like, okay, now that lowers it down to two. <laughs> Let's see where <laughs> no, the three. next... three. It could be three people. Hermosa could exist. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, she could oh, exist. Right. We don't know. So was Hermosa just wiped out from the timeline, or does she exist? She could actually exist somewhere still. And what about what's-his-face? Betty's older brother. Oh. The murderer. Man, (laughs) this is the problem with Tabitha's (laughs) the one who rewrites the timeline. People get get shot all around. Anyway, of the three that it could be, it is... Hiram. And Hiram just came because he feels like it's been too long since he saw Veronica. Well, ever since we banished you here and then did terrible things to you, I feel like we haven't talked. Here's a Glamourge egg. And she's like, you bought that for mom. Were you flirting with women? He's like, yeah. 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 Anyway, Anyway, um, (laughs) I had to get out of town to let things cool. So I just want to present right now. So she's introducing that, yes, you cheated on, well, I guess, I guess, technically saying flirted so i yeah. guess 
it's it, not as far as she eventually will discover things are. But I felt like it was implied that he sleeps <laughs> with script supervisors. Yeah, I mean, I guess you might want to take this one on face value that she was upset that she he was flirting. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he's there to hang out. He wants to meet her school yeah, friends. so that's what she does. She takes him. To meet her school friends. And even Julian, who was in a coma as recently as possibly yesterday, <laughs> is there. I love that Veronica. When, <laughs> when Hiram arrives, he's, Veronica's like, this is my dad. He's like, it's like, this is my dad, Hiram Lodge. He goes, please call me Hiram. Everyone calls him Mr. Lodge. <laughs> Nobody calls him Hiram. It's so good. <laughs> Once again, almost funny. <laughs> he's like, please call me Hiram. Immediately Kevin's like, Mr. Lodge, I really enjoy your show. <laughs> Uh, so they all, once again, much like McCarthyism, they all have their own reactions to it. But the big thing is he's going to sit in on English class. He's not just going to sit in on it. He's going to be like a guest lecturer because it's not English it's class. Drama it's class. drama it's class. It's 100% drama class. And I, the only thing I can think of is maybe in the 1950s, there wasn't like drama class in high schools. That's possible. Which for a small town, which this is for sometimes most of the show... <laughs> would make sense. So uh, Julian is the one who's reading the day. And you know he's saying this is an opportunity to be like, I'm going to show off in front of this big Hollywood type and I'm going to have my big break. And he's going to do to be or not to be from Hamlet. Yeah. And weirdly enough, Hiram, I thought he was going to be terrible, but he actually does good he gives directing. excellent advice, which is about finding the truth. Yeah, like, do you understand, especially for Shakespeare, do you understand what you're saying? Yeah. And he's like, hey, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you, uh, you're, you're thinking you're going to kill yourself. Cue, once again, reaction shots from the audience of him saying kill yourself. Uh, and then he ends with what I guess is the theme of this episode. Yeah, apparently the thesis of the episode is words. <laughs> Are important. Words have, words have power. Words have power. <laughs> I words know. are important. I, I wrote it down verbatim, I, and yet I didn't look at my notes. I would love, <laughs> I would love if Hiram, after doing this talk, saying like, "Speak from your gut, come on," and then turns the turns to the camera and says, "Words are important." <laughs> so words are words are important, and Betty's about to learn that. Because Featherhead is shutting down the blue and gold. Yes, apparently. Apparently, Miss Thornton was also the faculty advisor for the blue and gold. Now, they are going to hire a different English teacher. Yeah, but but Mr. Featherhead is aggressively against the free press. It's true. He has hated it since episode one. Yeah, and you know what? I'll note, this is a pretty good use of using like a small scale change to reflect larger things. When you're doing this episode that's about... Um, you know, the, this systemic prosecution yeah. and McCarthyism and the Red Scare, having just – and you're not going to do, like, the entire country. You're not doing the entire countries dealing with McCarthyism. You're dealing with this town. Mm-hmm. Having the principal be like, oh, you know, I, I just feel like that journalism is not exactly hard-hitting. Why do we need it? It feels a lot like when you hear some of those, like, you know, people be like, well, but why do – like, the this press is just, like, it, it's fake. It's, it's, you know, it's junk. It's not – Real. I don't think we we should have, you know. Let's shut down access to links to news. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So he's aggressive against free press. Um, and Betty's like, ooh, I'm going to do something about this. <laughs> she's going to storm into the blue and gold office. She's going to take her typewriter and, oh, typewriter. she's going to do something. I, at this point, I almost thought that typewriter and phone thing was a flash forward. And oh. it's going to happen in this episode. It, it doesn't. It doesn't, know. <laughs> it doesn't. No, nothing comes of it, guys. We cannot state this more clearly. They just needed a third thing. <laughs> so that's the third thing. Uh, all right. So Cheryl heads off and talks to who I have now called the top four, the top four gay kids <laughs> in Riverona <laughs> High. Um, Casey Kasem's top four gay kids. Top kids on the list. She's top. not going to warn any of the other kids. I Just I, her friends. I'm going to assume that Tony has like kind of is going to let him know. At the very least, it's worth mentioning that what they do here will help those kids as well. Yes. They aren't just doing things that will protect themselves. I mean, they are, but the things they do still will help the others. Yeah, so what they need to do 
is they need to figure out who made the list. It, it, who has a grudge against Cheryl? So I just, I, we'll get to that. I just want to very quickly. It's kind of funny thinking about how a lot of this came from Tony seemingly like forgetting that that I think at this time in the States, homosexuality was like a federal crime. Yeah. Like, like Sure was. Yeah. So her like forgetting that and constantly being like, no, no, you can be open. You can be open and do all those things. It. Again, it also just, like, passes a lot of judgment on people who weren't open at the time. Yeah, yeah. When tied in with what we always have to contend with earlier episodes. Yeah. um, Which is why it's funny when Tony goes very deep into right field. It's like, so who stands to gain from you getting kicked off the... Like, Tony completely disregards the systemic things. Yeah, the issues. "But, But Cheryl, what does this have to do with you? Well, who wants who wants Cheryl to get kicked off the Vixens? Well, there's only one person who's been going after a crown. Evelyn Everdever brought the Red Scare to Riverdale, so she once again almost funny. Look, she's a grown adult. She is a grown adult. She knows what she's doing. Okay, I I want to quickly bring bring this up. Um, for the most part, they do a pretty good job of Evelyn's makeup to make her look young. She oh, looks the, thirty in this episode. The, the, no, no, specifically this scene. Yes. The, the the harsh out. They should not have shot her outdoors. The harsh outdoor light just makes her. It doesn't make her look old. It just makes her look her age. Yeah, it makes her look like a full grown adult. It makes her look like a full grown adult. She's fine in other scenes, but this one, I'm like. Oh, yeah, that is a full-grown adult talking to also a full-grown adult. Who at least looks more like a teenager. Yeah, who can play younger. Um, Anyway, Evelyn is like, yeah, man, I hate you. You are very bad, and I'm a better role model. I don't like you. This is very clear. (laughs) Uh, He's like, you weren't even at the Babylonium to see us kids. And Evelyn's like, yeah. but I heard. You did it in front of everyone. Yeah, you, (laughs) you did the thing. You went mask off, like Tony said. Uh, and then, and I also saw you and her like getting hand, like holding hands and talking about how you got away with a kiss in Pop Tates. Also, I just want to say, if to keep, if we wanted to keep that thing good, what should have happened here? This is me, I guess, giving a script note. That's what we said that. <laughs> but how words are important. Yeah, Sorry, how ahead. words are words are important. Uh, it was just like you didn't even see that. Everyone's like, I didn't have to see it. It doesn't matter. People believe me. Yeah, because that is the theme. That is the everyone theme. doesn't need evidence. Words have power. That, that like that's supposed to be the idea of the crucible, and when you're talking about like McCarthyism in general, you don't need evidence. Yeah, evidence doesn't matter; it's what people say. Yeah, so it's weird that people constantly have evidence. <laughs> that's the thing. Like Evelyn could have made it up, and people would have believed her. Yeah, it it doesn't matter that it, it does end up being that's like um uh, children's hour. That's what I'm thinking of, right? With the two teachers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Children's Hour. Um, Where it's a rumor, but it's also true. It, it is true on, I think at least, one, I get, it's been no, so long. No, I think one of them, one of them is in love other. with the other, but they're not in a relationship. But the rumor... Is that they, yes. Yes. Um, so, like, that's a strong thing, but instead... More they, interesting. They do have her being like, actually, I, I, I heard about it, and I did see you getting handsy. Like, they're trying to really... Give Evelyn a lot of benefit. They're like, no, no, she does know. She's not lying. Because the worst thing, thing you, you can, can do, do is lie, lie about someone. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Meanwhile, Featherhead tries to interrogate Archie, which is... <laughs> Archie, you were being indoctrinated into communism. Archie's like, no. Like, I just wrote some poems. Poetry. Is an English teacher doing English things with me. <laughs> What? what? Was like, well, that's how it works. And then you were communist. It's <laughs> very like, funny the way we're doing it, but it would be a very scary for a teenager to go through. Because he's just like, but my English teacher gave me some books and took an interest in my life. That's uh, no teacher should ever do that. That means you are being indoctrinated. If a teacher is nice to you, it means you're being indoctrinated. <laughs> so, oh, poor Archie. Um, Hiram. Now it takes a time to visit the Babylonium. And, and he I'm, thinks it's great like, for what? a small town. Like, wait, wasn't what? He owned what, it. Yeah, wasn't he going to like buy buy it to punish Veronica? Was that Hermione? I'm like, I, I the, what I thought about here is that he was going to try to turn her against her mother. That's not really a thing that's happening. Look, here's the thing with Hiram. He just likes to manipulate his daughter and he's doing that now. He sees that she values this thing. So he's buttering her up. I am so... Uh, befuddled by uh, 
her parents. And I understand the idea of people being multiple things. Don't get me wrong. I understand complexity. <laughs> but <laughs> they're very cartoonish when they're off screen and then when they're on screen the like, oh, this is like, a, this oh. a fully functioned human being yeah <laughs> like the things that they did to her while she was gone anyway so it sends her she's like you go in and take a seat I'll get you some things and then boom the guy from the elevator who now we recognize it's Glenn yeah Betty's ex-fiance so Glenn didn't <laughs> get Age turned down. into a child nope but but Evelyn ever never did. So Evelyn Evernever, who was an adult when they were teenagers, turned into, into a, a teenager. Ch- but but Glenn, who was an adult, who was the, presumably about, maybe a bit older Yeah, than but Betty. he was like an adult with them. Yeah. He's like Polly's age, maybe? Yeah, is still in the FBI as a full-grown adult. Tabitha, what are you doing with... <laughs> look... She's trying her best. <laughs> Look, she didn't have a lot of time. She is a she is a, a new angel. <laughs> anyway, he wants to know how Veronica knows that man because yeah. he's investigating him. Actually, it's, we don't get it clear until later that he's FBI. He just sort of pops up and goes, do you know that man? And Veronica's like, he's my daddy. And then I guess off screen he'll tell her he's FBI. Uh, so... We check in quickly with Pep Comics, and it's a little bit of chaos there. Oh, no. No one carries Pep Comics anymore. They just keep sending them back. Moms call moms across the country and say, don't buy those comic books for your kids. Well, not only that. They're, they're calling and saying, don't buy newspapers from stands yes. that stock those comics, which is, like, that. that is kind of where the line gets crossed. Yeah. Once you start doing things like that. Because, um, like, whatever. If you want to be like, don't buy something. Then don't buy what? it. But to, to be like, no, no, no. I want you to boycott any place that has that in it. Which is why the places are sending it back to Pep Comics. Which is why they're sending it back to Pep, Pep Comics. Um, th- he, and it sounds like it might be affecting other comics as well. He's going to call them. And um, find out. And he's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to hunker down. We'll, we'll, People I, will I, forget this. I think in his head, he's like, we'll just make some, like, less scary comics Yeah, you already have that duck. Yeah, yeah, just make more duck comics. Uh, th- once again, this would be a good thing to have Dan to talk to him yeah. about because he was we, this how real? I mean, I'm sure it was oh, real, yeah, but like how he, real? He mentioned that it's the the Hayes Code. No, for the Hayes comics? Code is that for was movies. movies. Is it? Oh, no, the code is just the comic code. Yeah, <laughs> the comic was just the comic code. Um, so they, and he he makes this great point, which like I think everyone knows. Yeah. They get hate mail that is way more graphic than anything they publish. That was a great line because. Like, the hypocrisy yeah. of the far right is... Yeah. Uh, so, Ethel's like, but can I have one? Because my first time doing it. And he's like, yeah, of course. Go, you go get one. Uh, <laughs> then <laughs> I can't remember the exact lines they say, but they definitely, they're, they're going to black market these comics. Oh, 100%. Oh, I, he's like, well, it sucks that no one can read these. And Jughead's like, I got an idea. <laughs> and I know they what just, we're gonna do. just take some stacks and they walk out. Speaking of black market... Well, they're doing illegal comic books. Betty is going to... She's, make, she's making a pirate newsletter. Yeah, she's essentially making like a 1990s zine. <laughs> yeah, and she's she's going under a, a, a code name, The Girl Next Door. She's going to, uh, I guess, like write everybody's like stories. Yeah, she about wants being... them to write in letters about being a teenager. Yeah, it, and it, this, this is what I meant by it feels like they research a lot of things because Pirate newsletters, pirate radio. I would love to see pirate radio. Oh, yeah. um, that would have been a cool thing. But they don't have a radio person. Everyone has to write. Everyone writes on the um, show. But it's like that's – it is cool to see that. We don't really see where it goes here except for the fact that Betty really doesn't know how to do it secretly. Nope. She just sets up a just... P.O. box and then goes to pick it up herself. Her own P.O. box. So that's definitely going – she's going to have to get better at that or she's going to – Get in a I lot of sure hope her P.O. box is in a different town, like Greendale, which people <gasps> find out is more open-minded. Nope, it's in a Riverdale. It says it on the, on. we get the address. Oh, that's right. Anyway, while this is going on, Archie is secretly writing poems in his garage, yeah. and in comes Frank. Frank Frank continuing to be actually quite complex mm-hmm. to, it, it, Frank's thing seems to be that he really cares about Archie. He's, Frank is, I would not argue that Frank is progressive. But he does, his priority seems to be caring for Archie. Yeah. Because what he says to Archie is like, I actually don't care that you like writing. Yeah. But if you people know that you like writing, 
they might get the wrong idea about yeah, you. Yeah, might make you seem un-American. And to be honest, I'm not sure if he's suggesting that Archie is communist because he writes poems, or if he's suggesting that he's gay. Like, I don't know. And, and I don't. And I think what that's... the wrong idea is, but I'm kind of okay with it. And and it's well, yeah, it's the point that like because of everything else we see, I. I'm almost wondering if technically on the back end they're like, no, nah, no, nah, Frank is a bad guy telling Archie these things. But it's kind Frank, of- Frank stands out as somebody who's like, I know the way of the world. I don't want to push for change, which you can make arguments like that makes him bad anyways, like status yeah. quo. But I don't think things are as clear cut as that. Um, but just being like, but the way he phrases it of being like, I'm worried that if you look interested in this, people, like, he says, like, specifically now. Yeah, right now. Right now, with what's going on, I think you should maybe, yeah, back, like, like, don't let, like, you know, don't do that because, yeah, I, I, so it's just. It's interesting. But then, like, earlier on, you have things where he's, like, he doesn't go, oh, well, poor Keller, learning that his kid is bent, so. But we know that these people don't watch or read former scripts. So. Exactly. So who knows? This is what Frank is doing this episode. Yeah. Uh, we check in with Hyman and Veronica. They're eating pop tates, the only food in town. They're eating it on their fancy china yeah. in their fancy apartment. Which I love every time they do that. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> and they talk about the FBI agent. And Hiram's like, yeah, look, they think I'm a communist because I went to Cuba. <laughs> like, I'm a, Yeah. Yeah, that seems about right. Yep. And he's like, but I only went there to buy cigars. Now, Ver- Look at me. I'm rich. Now, Veronica, I need you to perjure for me. Uh, this is so much like the, like the first season. It really is. To the point that I almost thought when she goes to talk to the FBI agent later, it was just going to reveal that he is mafia. Yes. But no, they're keeping it consistent. No, he, he's they, not mafia. They do think that he is a, he's a possible communist. They have pictures of him with... Oh, Kevin, how Let's do I... it. <laughs> Videl Mastro. Okay, so... <laughs> no, no, no. I, I need to say this right now. Videl Mastro is a villain for Superman. That man, <laughs> Videl Mastro, fights Superman, right? Okay, so they they did a show where they actually have Senator Joseph McCarthy. But they don't And have... they actually have Arthur Miller. But they don't have... Del Castro. They have the Del Mastro, a super a, a guy most known for fighting Superman. Oh my god! There, you see, it's hitting you now, isn't it? The inconsistency on what they swap and what they don't will drive you mad. Look, there was a moment where I Googled Videl Mastro see, just to see if he, like, changed his name or, like, if there was some sort of historical... No. No. No, no. It's just... They just didn't want to say Videl Castro. They also didn't want to say... Oh, God, there's been so much. Ray Brad Rayberry, which is the real one. Oh, God. No, it's been Ray so- Bradbury. Is the fake one. Brad Rayberry is yeah, the real one? Yeah, I was trying to... Oh, my God. Oh they no. said it so much. Now it's going to corrupt me. Um, Ray Bradbury. That's the real one. Yeah. Yes. But, like, I... I it see, But, like, they only change the names of people we meet, which makes me think, are we going to meet Videl Mastro? <laughs> oh, I hope so. Because I don't think we're going to meet Senator McCarthy. I don't think we're going to meet, like, Tennessee Williams or... or Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller. But... <laughs> But they changed the name, which means potentially Vidal Mastro will come here to fight Clark Kent. And, oh then, and then the show becomes Smallville. Perfect. A better CW show. For a while. So, uh, yeah, we see this in the next scene where Veronica is getting followed by the FBI. And there's a moment where Archie, like, sees Veronica get into a weird man's car and goes, Veronica? And then Veronica waves at him. So mm-hmm. it's not secret that he yeah, saw so it. So, like, okay, bye. Okay, that seems like... I don't credit stuff. And Archie is so upset that he saw Veronica get into that car that he leaves school <laughs> and he looks up Miss Mrs. Thornton's address and goes to her house. Oh, I do love that lie where she goes, how'd you find me? And he goes, you're in the phone book. And I'm like, yes, the 1950s. Because <laughs> yeah. that's why that line is in there. Oh, yeah. So people uh, would know. Yeah. So it turns out she got a library job in yes. Green. Greendale, but it's just volunteer, but they're more open-minded over there. So is she a communist? Um, I don't think, I, I'm going to say honestly, I don't think it matters. It matters in the sense though, it's so weird that this show just seems to be mostly about lying about it, not so much whether someone is. I thought she was going to give him the communist manifesto. I know. <laughs> when she was like, I want you to read this 
book. Okay, but Kevin, what she gives him is The Crucible. Yes, which is... Is an, by Arthur Miller. And is an allegory for McCarthyism. Because Arthur Miller was hauled up in yeah. front of McCarthy to testify if there were communists in Hollywood. Though admittedly, that was after he wrote The Crucible. Yeah, but he wrote The Crucible in 53. Yes. So, like, that has already happened. Uh, no, he wasn't... He already wrote The Crucible, but he wasn't hauled up until, I think, the 60s. Really? Yeah. He wrote The Crucible, and then a long time went by before he got hauled in front I, of the I just think, like, I understand how The Crucible is a good allegory for this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it straight up is an allegory for McCarthyism. Yeah. But the fact... I guess not everyone knows that Arthur Miller was, like, so embroiled in the communism stuff. Yeah. But for me, her giving him that book, I was like, oh, no! Oh, no! Oh, no, because this would have been right before he got hauled up. Yeah, but, it's but, just, like, it's the wrong... It's the wrong choice for theater nerds. Uh, yeah, it but... sent me but, down a direction that... But if it's anything we learned, uh, there's no theater in this town. Though, once again, he will stand up. But <laughs> he was... When he gives his speech, it's very odd. It's so... Did, was Arthur Miller already married to Marilyn Monroe at this point? I have no idea. Anyway, I'm just saying just, he's very famous. I, yeah, I just know that um, The Crucible was, was 1953. Yeah. And I know that he wasn't um, brought in front of... Oh, no, he already... So he couldn't go to somewhere in Europe to see the opening of The Crucible there because his passport yeah. was revoked because of his communist... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was like... They're like, oh, I bet he's a communist for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't specifically like brought up and... Did, and like, because him, him like talking in front of the yeah. uh, was a big thing. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't until the late 1950s. I'm just saying, like, I understand why they made this choice, but boy, did I think that this Archie getting this book was going to have like very serious repercussions. Uh, I mean, I mean, potentially him doing that speech might later, but it I, won't. I, I know I figure that it. I mean, like it, later episodes. No, I feel like they got distracted by the other things, so they forgot. <laughs> um, but, no, I figure this was just for them to get the title drop. Uh, yeah, so he's going to present that. Uh, we do check in quickly on a, a, a hilarious scene where Jughead and Ethel are black market dealing comics. And they are selling them like they're selling drugs. Oh, yeah. Someone comes up, drops a coin. Jughead taps the coin. She hands the comics over her shoulder. He hands it to them. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I guess back in communism, though. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl is, is freaking out. I I cannot stress enough that I don't care that she might lose the Vixens. And I... But her friends care. <laughs> no, her friends care about themselves. Cheryl they... thinks that her friends only care about her. But they are protecting themselves here. They do... Or they should be protecting themselves here. Yeah, they do say stuff like... <laughs> I guess does I... say, I would do this for you. I guess it's worth them being nice to her <laughs> though honestly come on because uh, they're because both then and later clay's like i understand how hard this was for you and i'm like the 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 scale doesn't work considering the tone i'll argue again that this could be almost funny if they did it in a bit of a different way so what our you know top four gays decide to do yeah. is they decide to propose a, a violet marriage situation yes. which is where a gay man and a gay woman marry each other to protect themselves. You also might know it as bearding. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, it was known as a violent marriage. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Cheryl's going to date uh, Kevin. Kevin. Tony's going to date Clay. Because then at least they also avoid the interracial couple thing. Which is which, also... <laughs> which would have also been a problem. Uh, and Cheryl's like, but, but Tony, Tony, your entire self is about being true to yourself. So you would hide a part of yourself for me? And I'm like... Yeah. No, I mean, Cheryl. Well, I'm also like, yeah, she better be. Because once again, at this point, it's not just about her. Yeah, it is the if, 1950s. If, if she, and you're all in danger. If she is willing, if she is willing to do to like be out and proud and do that in the 1950s, which this this is a bit more about like big town stuff. Because I know there was like when you look at the um uh the the gay culture of the 1950s in like large town like urban centers you yeah. would find those groups because it's easier to hide in a large community yes. uh, but in a small community that's going to be so obvious and also there's probably going to be a bit more persecution as we see here that, that like tony being the way she is is does does not reflect a history, which would be fine if they did not spend so much time 
reflecting history. Yeah, it's it's just it's very frustrating how no one is acknowledging that this list is putting all of them in very real danger. Yeah, I, I, it's not just about Cheryl losing the teenage. Yeah, it does. They they don't seem to clarify or want either because I don't know or want to because their word is too dark of like what actually happens if this list goes out because yeah. Miss Thornton is just like shuffled like she's like you're fired and then she has to go get a job in another town was like that's not what happened to a lot of people especially like someone like Tony and Clay could probably could be our minority yeah full-on arrested yeah like killed and they're just sort of like they, they never address what are the stakes for the other people. Because Just Cheryl. Realistically, the stakes are extremely high. And and what I'm going to say is that, that the... It's not like I'm like, oh, well, they have to address that. The, the answer here is they shouldn't have done a storyline that they weren't willing to address all the things about it. Exactly. Uh, so Archie uh, is going to stand up in front of the class and he's going to... No, no, no. This is him reading The Crucible. He reads The Crucible. <laughs> Yes, right, he sorry. reads the crucible. I just wrote down he actually reads the crucible and I realized it's not him performing it. This well, is him just yeah. passionately reading through it. Meanwhile, Veronica is, I think, drinking rum just and waiting for her dad. Straight up drinks. Um, and then he, he arrives. He's like, oh man, I went to New York oh, and I, I can't buy my way out of being accused of being a communist. So I guess I'm going to need you to lie. Uh, and she's like, well, I, oh, we didn't mention this. When she saw the photo, what she, the photo of him with Videl Mastro as he was uh, obviously beating Superman, uh, what she was more interested in was the fact that on the other side of the photo was... A blonde woman with Hiram. Oh, so that's Kelly, and I guess she's his mistress. And she's like, well, why don't you just tell them that Kelly... Like, Why, why isn't she your... Uh, your lie. Your lie. And then, or not your lie, your, uh, what's it called? Alibi. Alibi. Though, <laughs> though, once again, he is in a photo with Videl Mastro. I, I don't think he knows that he's next to Videl Mastro. I think he's so busy, like, <laughs> hooking up with Kelly that he doesn't know that man is there. That, I mean, that is the argument he'll have to use. But I think it's true. So he, yeah, he's like, oh, maybe I got in a photo with th- that guy. I don't really know. Uh, he explains <laughs> the reason he doesn't want to do that because he signed a morality clause. And if, which is a tr- real thing. Yep, very real. Um, that He's like, well, if we do that, we'll lose everything. And then Veronica is like, dude, I've already lost everything, she says, sitting in a penthouse apartment beneath a crystal chandelier, sipping brandy. Wouldn't it be better if she was still living in the Babylonian when they had this fight? Yeah. Yep. And this is how she got her apartment back? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm, look. I'm not saying she has to be cool with her dad. Like, not even, this is not even just she's a teenager. She's a human being and, like, she's emotional and she deserves to be emotional in this oh, yeah. situation. Um, and, like, her 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 dad and her mom chucked her to another city. I am just uh, nitpicking. But it is funny hearing her shout that she lost everything while she's, like, in a silk robe. Like, she's, literally, she's like, I lost everything. She stands up. Into a crystal chandelier. <laughs> in So the widest shot of her apart, like her penthouse apartment, she's been living in alone for half a year. She's right. There's a lot of teenagers who would be like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And it's it's fine that she doesn't like it. But when we're contending that with the fact that Ethel had her entire family murdered and, and then sent away to a convent. Jughead where she lives was, in a train. Where she's abused and Jughead lives in, lives in a train that she made fancy, admittedly. <laughs> um, but her shouting, I lost everything. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> anyway, we can't dwell on that because yeah. we got to have the 1950s play the song Teenager in Love. Yeah. So well, the, the fake dating happens. Yeah, one, this man, this shot is just at this point. This is the Riverdale shot, right? Oh yeah. A couple walks down a hallway where everyone pays attention to the couple. And Evelyn ever never oh, is, is furious because <laughs> now she has no evidence. Yeah, I guess we'll have to go come back to that because this is where we have Archie the Crucible monologue, and he, he gives an intro. This is what he's talking about. <laughs> the introduction he gives, you can tell that he doesn't understand how it. I mean, he does actually think understand how it reflects everything. He, the reason he got this play was because of that. But he doesn't quite realize like yeah. the depth to it. Because even his introduction makes everyone think, and then he does a 
big emotional monologue. He's crying. Oh, okay, he hits it so hard so fast. KJ Appa does a great job. It's a little overwrought, he, but it's good. So in case you've seen um, uh, The Crucible, he does the, it's not really a monologue. He does a, he does a, a monologue. He does a scene. Uh, Betty's reading opposite him. But he hits, he starts immediately at the emotional core of the scene. <laughs> he doesn't do any lead up to <laughs> no it. Build. He just hits right to Proctor shouting. So this is, I guess, motive motivational enough that Cheryl maybe just leaves in the middle of this thing. <laughs> it's quite possible. So for her to march up to her dad, who is in the principal's office with the Fell Twins, to be like, no, I'm not going to. I'm like, I figured this was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like her just starting to date Kevin and Tony starting to date Clay, Clay wasn't going to instantly void her dad's aggression. Like, once again, the point of this is they don't need evidence. Exactly. So they don't they, need her to corroborate. Well, I mean, that helps. Definitely, yeah, for sure. for sure. Um, but for like, for having Archie do his entire thing, and it feels like the premise of this episode is supposed to be these people lying in accusations based on nothing. They constantly are very, like, aggressive about we need evidence. So, so like... Her going up and saying no, that was going to have to have, she was going to have to say no anyways. I'm yeah. like, like, well, now I'm dating Kevin. And then Clifford would be like, well, I guess that's it. Can't Ooh, do anything can't else. Can't ask her anymore. Yeah. So, but her, she says no. She says she'll give up the Vixen. Queen the Vixen is going on double date. Your friends are, yeah, they're very grateful that she was willing to do that. Um, But Kevin, there's still a third of this episode left. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, it's pretty quick. Um, I, I, I do want to, I don't, I do want to dwell on one thing very quickly. Um. Just just to summarize the storyline. Yeah. And I think to summarize my problem with it. They're treating this with both dead serious sincerity, but also a flippant like, ah, teen problems, right? She's not going to be able to do her, um, her, uh, She's not gonna be able cheerleading to do anymore. Isn't that unfortunate? I'm like, you can't have both. <laughs> you can't do both. All right. Well, Archie gets his congrats from Veronica. Uh, um, and she's so inspired that she kisses him. Yeah, speed run the ships because who cares about Veronica and Betty? That's not a thing. Oh yeah, I forgot that was the last episode. It's over. It's over. They, they don't even talk this episode. They don't even talk this episode. <laughs> well, because her phone was taken away, now they can't. Speed run the ships. Um, back to Pop Tate. Jughead is full on 1950s drug dealer. And oh, he's so good. He's got like the Tom Cruise like risky business thing going on, and then they're. This 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 is what I mean by like the tone is so weird because he's hiking the prices for this like adventure scout. Then as soon as he sells it, whistle blows and the adventure scouts come in. It was a sting. With the sheriff. And then when it's done, Jughead and Ethel are just like, "Well, that was fun while it lasted." I'm like, so we have episodes that's like, uh, communism. Oh man, these kids are going to get outed and it's a very dangerous time for that. <laughs> Meanwhile, kooky hijinks yeah. selling black market comics. There are no repercussions to Jughead and Ethel. Like they are not arrested. <laughs> and and what's, I don't think they need repercussions because this is just funny. I know. It's just, it's funny for Riverdale but, that they didn't give them repercussions. But this show is not a comedy. <laughs> Or is it? <laughs> Impossible oh, man. to say. All right. Uh, okay, there's a character who we haven't seen do their scene yet. That is true. That is true. It's Veronica. She tells her dad, I can't eat dinner with you because I hate you. I got to go work on my monologue. Yes. So she's, and because she's going to perform uh, King Lear because I guess all these kids are actually picking monologues that reflect their lives. <laughs> and she's doing Cordelia's monologue. Yeah. In the scene where Lear doesn't just make Cordelia say how much she loves him. Yeah. Lear makes all of his daughters yeah. say how much he, they love him. And the one who loves him the most, or whatever he picks, yeah. will get the most inheritance. I mean, King Lear is a good pick for Veronica to do because it matches her life. Um, speaking of matching her life. So, Archie. He's getting himself into his, he's getting himself into his locker. And then he hears a voice behind him. Like, and he hey turns there. around. And hey, we got a victory lap this. Everyone's coming back. You know, we got to see Glenn, the guy who we care about so much. But hey, bring it back to the beginning. It's Miss Grundy. It's Geraldine. Now, here's the question. Is this Miss Grundy? Because Miss Grundy wasn't her name. I know. And it appears that maybe now she has become Miss Grundy. Because Tabitha, because Tabitha doesn't, doesn't know. know. She always. <laughs> 
Tabitha, Tabitha is making this season like somebody who read a book while watching <laughs> Riverdale. Like, this is like Riverdale was on in the next room and Tabitha <laughs> had to make a TV show based off of it. Now, Riverdale, <laughs> you have a second chance at doing the illicit uh, student-teacher affair. And it Are seems... you going to do it right? Okay, so it seems like they're punking us. It seems like maybe they're not going to do it. Oh, yeah. Maybe she's just a mentor. Because when she, because partway through, she's like, have you ever read? Like, she's like, it's very weird. It's very like, you know, that whole thing going on. We already know. It's because we already know what's yeah, going she, on. Yeah, she's going to help but him with her but with she's his like, poems, secretly. But she's like, have you ever met a poet? Because my husband is a poet. And, and I'll he, get... he lives here in Riverdale with me. And so what I wrote does, like, I wonder if they're, like, using that as, like, a gotcha. Like, Haha, gotcha. We're not doing an illicit affair with the teacher. She's married. But I'm like, if she's willing to sleep with a student, I don't think cheating on her husband is, yeah. like. I don't think marriage is yeah, the problem. I don't think that's the thing that's going to take it. So, but I was willing to give it that until Veronica's monologue at a certain part, Archie and Grundy do, like, glance at each other yeah. but maybe i'm just reading in for that i i, I don't know i don't know which way they're gonna go once again if this was a comedy that yes you have her come in and then actually no she's just a fine teacher um we have before we get like fully through veronica's monologue we yeah. have a short scene where werther's is like oh man we failed at our attempt to stop comic books from comic booking we've been doing half measures <laughs> no, no. now yeah. we have to do full measures yes. the- this going off the fact that this is funny the 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 comedic timing of mr Worthers being like the days of half measures are over time for full measures (laughs) that's the the funniest line it's so funny the day of half measures are over time to take another half measure put them together Get a full measure. The only thing that will be better if next episode he goes, mm, full measure didn't work. Time for full and a half measure. Time for double measure. Double double secret measures. <laughs> Too funny not to be a comedy. It has to be a joke. No one so, wrote that line seriously. Yeah. So Veronica's King Lear uh, monologue motivated herself, which <laughs> is... Beautiful. The fact that Archie's monologue <laughs> would motivate Cheryl. other people, but Veronica's monologue <laughs> motivated herself. It's just so on brand for Veronica. Yeah. So she did write her affidavit. However, she'll only give it to Hiram. And I am so sure certain that something like this has happened before. Because she says, I'll give it to you, but you need to tell mom about who, about Kelly, who you're having an affair with. I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's all also blackmailed him before. Well, she being blackmails like, him all the time when he's in the mafia. Yeah. Um, I, 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 like, I don't want to bring up, uh, I, mean, I do want to bring I want to bring up that, do you remember that also when they were married, Hermione did also cheat on him. Yeah, with Luke Perry Andrews. Once while she, once while he was in jail and well, they were getting divorced. Well, I mean, that's fine because they were separate. I do not count that. I was thinking when she slept with the sheriff and then killed him. Oh, that's right. I yeah. forgot about Sheriff Minetta. Yeah, because you try to have Minetta kill Hiram and then she yes. slept with him and then she killed him. Well, and I don't really understand why Veronica is like suddenly on her, I guess her mom apologized after Molly Ringwald yelled at her. Yeah, I guess, and I guess Hermione got that. yelled at so much it undoes all the things she's ever done. So um, Veronica is like, you got to tell but Kelly also... I want you to sign the Pembroke over to me. And I'm like, that is a better deal. Yeah. <laughs> the Kelly thing, who cares? Yes, you're right. You should try to own your house. Yeah. yeah. You're a 16-year-old. You should own an apartment building. I, I also want to clarify. They do still have photos of him. They the sure do. evidence is pretty good. So they'll still have to talk to Kelly. But like... She's in the photos. But conveniently, something will come up later... That means the morality clause doesn't matter anymore, I guess. I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I think it came up any, anyways. Like, it, the thing, I'm more of talking about Hiram. Like, Hiram yeah. needs to be, like... Yeah, the, the affidavit's as, not useful as soon because... As, though I don't know... No, no, she told him about photos. So as soon as she, he learned there were photos of him, Kelly, Fidel Mastro, and whoever Videl Mastro was with, he had to know that definitely they'll go talk to Kelly. But I guess he can call Kelly and be like, hey, Kelly tell the government that Veronica was with us. Yeah, like at, at this point, at that point, Veronica's word actually might be, if he legitimately was not meeting with Videl Mastro. Which I think he wasn't. 
um, then Veronica's word actually makes things worse because it adds a lie to yeah. it. If he, if at this point it was already going to come out that he was there with his mistress, that probably was a better story than like, no, I was there with my mistress and my daughter. Like, I wasn't paying attention because look at that blog. Look at those bazoongas. <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, wait, uh, we'll quickly check in with Betty. Betty's uh, uh, pirate newsletter has got a lot of mail. It's so easily tracked. Meanwhile, Veronica comes home from school while Betty gets her mail. Hiram, he's gone. Hermione has arrived. So <laughs> she clarifies, we're going to have a last season. We're going to we're going to have a press conference. We're going to say it's our last season. It's been seven good seasons. And I'm, I'm like, sure. I'm going to tell people that I so loved those seasons and I loved being in their homes. But now it's time for me to do something new, which isn't a lie because I'm divorcing your dad. Yes. Also, after it has premiered, then we're going to get a divorce. And then how about you and me going a mother-daughter Christmas in New York? And I'm just like, remember when she forced Veronica to get a job just to sell that business that she was working at? Because I guess she knew she would fall in love with it and turn it into a parking lot. Remember? And then when Veronica got the business, she told all her movie executive friends to not sell their prints to her. Yeah, remember when she heard that Veronica was near a boy and called her and said, no boys or I'm kicking you out of the house. And that was never followed up on. Yeah, like, we know. Hermione's not a good mom. I just want to point out, we know they were from her. That's the person she was talking to. Yeah. But it seems at this point they want to be like, nah. That was Hiram's. Hiram did the bad things. They, but the thing is, like, we we know Alice said that, but we know Alice was lying. Like, this, yeah. this show isn't trying to foist off that, like, all wives are, comp- like, have, I mean, I know the 1950s was not great for wives. But, but, but we know that Alice has autonomy. Yeah. And we know that Hermione has autonomy. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> it's weird to have this get wrapped up with, like, a really pretty bow. So maybe Hermione is going to come back and we're going to get a bit more of that. It just feels too well wrapped up with like, yep, Hiram's terrible and now they're getting divorced. But hey, Hermione and Veronica are back together. Because we've seen how well that's worked. Forget about the mental torture. That was all Hiram's fault. (sighs) All right. Speaking of mental torture... Featherhead is buying comics off of teenagers. So the full measure is a comic buyback. Hmm. Well, why is he doing that? Smash Cut, 1939 Germany. Uh, They're they're burning books. You know, like a book burning. They're burning the books of the comics. And that is how a fire starts. By burning books. By burning books, which is true. It's true. Hey, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a communist? CW Um, moment? No, because here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're communist. What matters is if someone lied. Someone lies. It's fine to prosecute communists, but you can't lie about someone being a communist. And I'll tell you someone who lied in this episode. That liar was Julian, (laughs) who thought he was a good actor, but he was a bad Hamlet. Is that your CW moment? Yeah. Okay, but the reason it's my CW moment is, A, he's not that bad. Like, yeah, he's posing a lot, but, like, every Hamlet does that. Yeah. And before Hiram gets to his good point about being a good actor, yeah. he, like, needlessly belittles Julian about whether or not he's a man. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he does the director, like, I gotta break you into Hamlet. Like, and I just... I don't know why a show in the year that was made in the year of our Lord 2023 needs to belittle a character about his manliness. Yeah, I, well, yeah. And not follow up on it. Like, it's not a point. They're just doing it because we don't like Julian. So let's embarrass him. I mean, at the very least, like, that seems like a thing Hiram would do. Like, we, like, Hiram That's is. That's true. Hiram used yeah. to do that to Archie all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's a Hamlet monologue. He's trying to be like. You gotta be a, you, look to do a Hamlet monologue. You gotta be a little bit toxically masculine. You gotta be a little bit insane. <laughs> you gotta be, a, yep. You gotta be a little bit that. Kevin, did you find CW moment? Uh, I did. Um, I'm gonna shout right at the very end during the book burning. Once again, sh- just cutting to Cheryl because I guess we gotta give her reaction shots. She's staring at the books teary eyed, and I'm like. I mean, I I know why this is bad because book burning. But um, does Cheryl but it, know that? Well, also like Cheryl doesn't seem like somebody who would get the link between oh we're burning a bunch of comic books to like 
silencing. Book, yeah, like one like some of the first books that were burned in uh, Nazi Germany were um, like queer study books. Yeah. Um, but so I maybe that's maybe that's like out of why. That's why I mean like there's no real logic to Cheryl being like teary eyed, staring. At books, because it doesn't seem like, like or at comics. It's very clear comics. They are comics. We only see comics. They, they're using comics as a stand-in, which is yeah. fine. Like, it, yeah, everything is a stand-in for everything else. But for fine. Cheryl to make the connection, for Cheryl to be the like one, yeah, because like Why she has she, in, in she has no in-world connection unless I guess unless you want to just be like my dad's crazy. Like we could have seen Ethel crying. We could have seen Veronica crying. Would have actually made sense. Yeah, Veronica. We could have seen Jughead cry. Why can't a man cry? I, I, I think also we could have just not had that weird reaction shot of Cheryl. Yeah. I mean, same thing at the beginning when she drops her head after Miss Thornton is sent. Because she has no connection to communism either. Like, she re, she it's like she's reacting for us as the audience to know what is sad. It's like, yeah. look, Cheryl wasn't happy about Miss Thornton getting kicked out for communism. Sad. Also, we we didn't even address the fact that Evelyn that it does seem like this was all Evelyn, not, not the comics. I was going for a while, yeah. But like the Miss Thornton and the Red Scare was Evelyn. It does appear that way. Yes, <laughs> that's what I mean by the like very serious, but also oh teen problems, and they did not make those tones mesh. Oh, um, what so an how do you feel about the tones in this episode? Let us know. We're over on the social medias. It's Podcast Moa, Podcast MOA, at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. And again, we are pushing through to the end with you. So give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And you can check out my books. They're available at KevinWeirbooks.com. And I'm over at flimsyplan.com. And we'll see you next week. Will Riverdale further succumb to the Red Scare? Will Betty's pirate newsletter stay a secret? Will Superman foil Videl Mastro's dastardly deeds? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>